across America and around the world. Famous vintners and favorite destinations. We share the stories behind the wines. Welcome to Vintage, hosted by the voice of wine, Brian Bushlack. And wherever you are around the world, welcome to this episode of Vintage. I want to thank everyone for the warm welcome to the world of podcasting. The downloads are off the charts, far more than we expected. So thank you for your support of our show and our vintners. We have some very special episodes in production. More on that in a moment. If this is your first vintage download, thank you and welcome. In wine terms, this is a very approachable show. I'm a storyteller. I'm your host. And I will never, ever try to be something I'm not. I am not a wine critic. Plenty of other places for you to get those ratings. You know, quite frankly, I've never felt it's my place to rate wines in the first place. We all have a different palate, a favorite varietal. And as I like to say, I'm a steward of wine. We'll have a lot of fun exploring wines without trying to be funny. It's not about me. This show is all about the vines and the wines and the people and the places in wine country all across the world. That said, excited to announce we'll release our two-volume set from the Naples Winter Wine Festival, March 16th and 17th. That's coming right up. But first in this episode, Taste Washington Wine Month continues with a big announcement from one of the state's premier wineries, Mary Hill Winery, after huge success with their destination winery in the Columbia Gorge and that stunning viewpoint tasting room in Spokane, well, they're preparing to open their next big venture in Vancouver, USA, right on the waterfront, a front row seat on the mighty Columbia River, what was once really just a graveyard of industrial broken-down railroads will be transformed into a stunning focal point for entertainment, food, and wine. It is absolutely amazing what's happening there. And there's no better winery in the Pacific Northwest better suited to serve this market than Mary Hill. So many wonderful people in the wine industry. And Vicki and Craig Luthold are at the top of that list. When we first uh, saw this project and we were able to be right on the Columbia River, we said to ourselves, we've just got to be there. You probably more than any winery, not only in the Pacific Northwest, but in America, have perfected the destination winery with Mary Hill in the Gorge. And I know you must see this as obviously an urban tasting room, but a destination as well, right? I think... That's kind of how people are going to view it because it's going to be a, about almost 5,000 square feet, really cool space. You're literally a stone's throw from the Columbia River, so you're going to be able to sit out on the patio and watch the river flow right by. Very much of a destination. And Vicki, a huge consumer base in southwest Washington that has really gone unserved, uh, not only for wine, but food and entertainment Forever, this is going to change the lifestyle of literally everyone living in southwest Washington, right? Well, we're certainly hoping so. And you're right. We will be one of the first wineries, actually, 
putting roots down there as a tasting room. And a great deal of our customers that come out to the gorge actually come from the Portland-Vancouver market. So we will better serve them. They don't have to make the drive and we'll reach a larger demographic of people. Well, congratulations. What is the time frame now for the opening? This is happening pretty quickly, right? So we hope to have a soft opening towards the latter part of March just to make sure that everything is uh, working properly. Our official grand opening for the public is going to be the 13th of April, coming up real soon. Okay, we're counting down to that. Now, tell us specifically about this tasting room. I know it's going to be a little different than maybe what you've done before, right? Well, it's going to be pretty similar to what we're doing in uh, Spokane, only we're going to have a full kitchen. We're going to have bites that will be available. It'll be a self-serve type of a program where people will come up and order their food and then have it delivered to their table. But uh, it's going to be top-notch food, shareable bites, not really big sit-down meals. We don't want to be a restaurant. We just want food that uh, is going to be excellent to be paired with wine. Craig and Vicki Luthol joining us as they announce the opening of their new tasting room. They will serve food at the Mary Hill Tasting Room in Vancouver, Washington, USA, coming up here this spring. Uh, Spokane, we're going to talk more about coming up in our next segment, a very successful, well-received opening in Spokane, your hometown. Obviously, you've got the winery in the Columbia Gorge. And uh, for the listeners who are downloading this and being introduced to Mary Hill for the first time. I don't want to assume everybody knows about you. I think they do. But uh, your story is a great story uh, in getting into the wine industry and the wine business because you didn't grow up in this industry. You came from another business world and had a passion for wine, right? That's exactly what happened. We we actually made a trip through the Napa Valley in uh uh, 1984, we stopped at a winery in St. Helena called V. Satui Winery. And during that visit, a seed was planted that eventually grew into what became Mary Hill Winery. It was an experience that Vicki and I remember to this day. And of course, Napa was not Disneyland for adults like it is now. Matter of fact, the uh, agritourism was really just starting to get its roots at that time. But our passion for wine continued to grow, and by the uh, mid-1990s, uh, we were well involved with an enological society and learning more about wine, and we really felt that the Washington wine industry was on the cusp of greatness, and we wanted to be a part of it. And you have been. You are carrying the flag for not only Mary Hill, but for Washington and the entire Northwest. And Vicki, i, I got to ask you, um, you know, on that journey, did you envision this? I, th- I think I know the answer to this, but did you envision this becoming as big and as popular as it has become? Well, I think we certainly hoped that. Uh, we have outgrown our production much more than we anticipated originally, but nobody was making and building destination wineries when we started Mary Hill, a place to come and stay and enjoy the day and have many experiences at the facility itself and picnic and listen to music and play games. And uh, so we really wanted to create that sense of hospitality where people will come and get attached to the brand. So when they leave and they go to this grocery store that has these 6,500 SKUs to choose from, how are they going to remember us and how will they choose us off a shelf somewhere? The internet's been great. I think we can all agree on that. But uh, wine is so much about an experience, right? And so when you hatched this crazy plan before anybody else did to to launch a destination winery in the gorge 
it's not a 30 minute drive it's 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 out there right did you feel like hey there's some risk involved here <laughs> yeah i guess it was it felt risky especially on opening day i'll never forget we're pouring wine for the first time in a temporary bar that we set up because we weren't completely ready and bob wooler the great late great bob wooler came up to me and said who are you people and what are you doing out here in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> so, yeah, it seemed a little risky at the time. <laughs> and here we are many years later. It's it's proven to be very successful. And I want to talk about that, what it takes to be successful in the wine business. There's so much romance. And as consumers, we, we get to enjoy that. But, man, this business is like 24-7. This is a lot of work. You at a point now where you can, I know you're still expanding, right? There's still many more exciting things happening, but do you get to stop sometimes and feel like, hey, this is, get to enjoy it maybe? Well, you know, when you love what you do, it isn't work and you just do it all the time. It just becomes a part of you and, and you just have so much enjoyment from all of the things that you participate in on a regular basis. That said, this last year, we did take more vacation than we've ever taken since we started Mary Hill. We're, we're learning to put more balance back in our lives, which has been incredibly important. But at the same time, concentrating on opening these tasting rooms in the Northwest, we're only a few hours drive from home. So it's not as if we're getting on a plane and traveling across the country and growing our brand uh, outside the Pacific Northwest where you're staying in airports and you've got hotels and you are, you know, traveling all over. It's much better when we're just close to home and we just want to be uh, one of the most recognizable brands in the Northwest. And that was my next question. I know that uh, so many wineries, winemakers spend a good portion of the year on the road show, traveling not only around America, but around the world to showcase their wines. And that's admirable, but you've chosen not only to do that, you've got, and we'll talk more about this coming up in our tasting room segment, uh, some of the most popular wines in America because they're great wines and they've caught on. But talk about the business model here where, hey, we are a Northwest winery, we are an experience, and you've chosen to make that the focus, right? Yes, absolutely. It's expensive and exhausting to travel the country to promote your brand. And when you're in, in front of a distributor, it's all great, and then you leave, and the next winery is in front of them the next week. So it's been much more valuable and much more powerful for us to just focus on becoming strong in our own backyard. So the experience at the winery in the Gorge, what did you learn from that business model and taking the risk you did and, and being successful that you were able to apply? And we're going to talk about Spokane and our friends in that market here in just a minute, but what did you learn uh, from that experience in the gorge that's helped you with this Vancouver project? Well, I've always felt that if you can create a buoyant and enlivened and uh, gracious and welcoming and hospitable place for people to make connections while they're having fun, you can, you can change the world in one little piece at a time, right? Every person who leaves has this experience. And so... If we can keep that hospitality strain going from room to room, each tasting room, and have that connection with our customer, and we can do it doing good business, and we can do it enjoying what we do, it's all the better. That's Vicki Luthold along with her husband, Craig, co-founders, co-owners of Mary Hill Winery. 
I'll tell you what, they are not done with big announcements. These two are busy. They're also coming to the Seattle area. We'll share more on that later in the year. Our conversation with Craig and Vicky continues in just a moment, but first a friendly reminder, we'll release our episodes from the Naples Winter Wine Festival, March 16th and 17th, exclusively here on Vintage. This is Vintage with the voice of wine, Brian Bushlack. And Taste Washington Wine Month continues. If you missed our retrospective with Greg and Stacy Lill, you can download that episode after we wrap up with Craig and Vicki Luthold, who are counting down to the opening of their new tasting room on the Vancouver, USA waterfront. And they have certainly proven they know how to take care of people at their destination winery and in their tasting rooms. But they also know how to make award-winning wines, producing over 30 different varietals and doing every single one of them quite well. I say all the time that, you know, you can have all the smoke and mirrors in the world, but the reality is it's all about the wine. And we're very fortunate to have some of the finest grapes in the world being grown in the Columbia Valley in uh, eastern Washington and Oregon. It's truly remarkable, actually, the quality of the fruit, and it just keeps getting better and better. We have to remind ourselves that we're really only about a 40-year-old wine region, and that in the world of wine, we're just babies. You know, California is twice as old as we are, which is still really young. We were actually recently in Italy, and there was a winery in Italy that was actually started in 947. So they've been making wine for almost 1,100 years. Wrap your head around that one. Was it good wine? It was phenomenal. (laughs) No doubt about it. Let's talk about Spokane. That's your hometown. And that was your first foray out out of the Columbia Gorge and uh, in opening a tasting room. And uh, let's talk about that. It's been, uh, oh gosh, when was that last? Was that the end of, about a year ago, right? So it's a little over a year. So uh, give us an update there. How are things going at the Spokane tasting room? You know, we had a fabulous holiday season. Uh, one thing that we have learned about having uh, operating an urban tasting room is that people use it as much as a wine bar as they use as a tasting room. So because they can visit it really often, we don't have the volume sales that we do as a destination winery like we do in the Columbia Gorge, where somebody might only visit us two or three times a year, and they're going to take multiple cases with them when they leave. In an urban environment, people will come down, they'll taste some wines, and they'll take home three or four or five bottles with them. So it's really a different mindset when, you, when you're when uh, you having a tasting room in an urban environment. That said, people use it more often. We have uh, members who uh, are there almost on a weekly basis, and they bring their friends down, and they do tastings all the time. So you're actually creating more brand loyalty because they're tasting your wine on a much more regular basis. And let's be honest, it's not like you do anything on a small scale. It's not like you opened up a little wine bar on the corner or downtown. I mean, this this overlooks the river. I mean, it is a spectacular patio. I mean, it's in a beautiful new facility. I mean, it's the place to be, right? Yeah, it's been really well received this last year. And another thing that we're doing up there is so many more events 
company parties, Christmas parties, anniversary parties that we don't really get an opportunity to do in the gorge because we're so remote. So that's been a, a unique aspect of the business too. I would imagine you're getting lots of thank yous from from everyone in Spokane for opening there, right? Yes. Every time we meet someone who's in the tasting room, they are very gracious and very grateful that we're there. So you opened Spokane. It's obviously been successful. A little different model from a business standpoint than the actual winery in the gorge. It's not destination, although it, I guess it is a destination for the people who live in Spokane. Hey, it's, it, let, let's go there as much as we can. Talk about running really kind of two different business models, right? I mean, you've got your, your, a winery and a destination winery, but you also have a tasting room and a little bit different mix there, right? I think the biggest thing is the mindset of your customers when they come through the door. In Spokane, we see a lot more people coming after work midweek. So from four until seven or eight o'clock at night is our busiest time. Not as many tourists, not as many people who are traveling on the road like we see at our uh, location in Goldendale, which is more of a tourist destination as well as a a winery destination because obviously our production facility is there. But it's really the proximity to how close people live. If you think about it, almost all of our customers in Spokane are within about 25 miles. And whereas there's almost no one living within 25 miles of where the winery is located. So it's it's really a very, very different type of, of business model because of geography more than anything else. And so with that in mind, that's my that's my point is, did you ever run out of wine in Spokane? I mean, be honest. Well, actually, we have a warehouse there. Okay. So so we're able to run up and stock our, our cellar all the time. Okay, I was going to say, good call, because, you know, if you destination winery, you've got the wine there. And obviously in Spokane, you, you, you don't, but you have a warehouse. So that's good business. And you guys are two of the best business people in the wine industry. Talk about Spokane, too, as a, a community and the growth in that market. I mean, it's been really nice to see Kendall Yards and that development, hasn't it? Yeah, that's been probably one of the funnest things is is what Kendall Yards has done for Spokane. You basically took a vacant piece of property. It was the old Kendall Railroad Yards, and you've turned it into what eventually, when it's fully developed, where almost 3,000 people will be living. You have now almost created a critical mass for people utilizing restaurants in the downtown core because you're less than a half a mile from downtown Spokane. And it's really led to an extension of revitalization in other parts of the downtown core. I think it's actually changed the mindset of a lot of people because now you have more restaurants, you have more clubs, you have more places to go, more wine bars, and of course, more tasting rooms as well. And for our listeners across the Pacific Northwest, I think, you know, it's fair to say it's the the Pearl District in Portland is comparable, uh, perhaps South Lake Union in Seattle, where we've seen, you know, urban uh, revitalization, really, for Spokane, right? No doubt about it. After we opened up Kendall Yards in Spokane and the opportunity became available for us down at the uh, Vancouver waterfront, If you really want to draw a direct parallel, they're almost exactly the same business model. The Vancouver waterfront will change Vancouver in ways I'm not sure people really understand. It's going to be a game changer for the city itself, let alone what an unbelievable resource for the people who stay there. You're going to have new hotels and you've got apartments and condominiums and restaurants and shops and businesses right on the Columbia River. It's so fun to see that redevelopment. Okay, let's talk wine now. 
we mentioned Richard Batchelor off the top of the show. I want to revisit that. And we're going to talk specifically about a couple of varietals that, for Mary Hill, you have lots of varietals. So, again, for our listeners who are not familiar with the winery or the wines, whether they're in the Pacific Northwest or on the other side of the world, tell us about the decision you made to produce so many different varietals. Why did you go that direction? I think the biggest reason is, especially since we are creating a destination winery, is we wanted our tasting room to be a showcase for what the Columbia Valley and Washington State was capable of producing. So we work with more than 30 different varieties of grapes, and we have more than 60 distinct bottlings that that we bottle at Mary Hill. So you can actually come in and you can have seven different Cabernets from different appellations all throughout the Columbia Valley, Walla Walla and Red Mountain and the Horse Heaven Hills and the Yakima Valley and the Walluk Slope. So it really allows a consumer to come in and say, okay, so this is what the terroir in Walla Walla tastes like. And this is what a Red Mountain Cab tastes like. And we also have displays mounted up on the wall that have little glass cylinders that display all the dirt of all these different vineyards that we source grapes from. So you're actually looking at the terroir of what the soil conditions are because grapes are where they grow and probably more than any other product in the world grapes uptake micronutrients and minerals from the soil that really change the the flavor profile of those grapes i mean when have you ever tasted two different identical cabernets they're even made from the same vineyard and they could be five rows apart and they might be different because you've got different winemaking styles you've got different barrels you've got different things but mostly it's where the grapes are grown the terroir if you will and 30 varietals and many different you know varietals of varietals but to do it well okay it's one thing to say hey we we do 30 different varietals right but to do it well how do you do that well first of all hire really good winemakers and uh richard bachelor is our fourth but he's been with us now for more than 10 years and it really has been a game changer for us he has held our growers more accountable for the quality of the fruit that they grow he works with them every year to raise the bar and help them be just a little bit better every single season that we work with them and on top of it he's an incredible shepherd i believe that all winemakers are shepherds because even the most egotistical ones will tell you that 75 percent of what comes out of the bottle is what was delivered from the field that other 25 percent is incredibly important well i think we can all agree on that you know it's remarkable how they've been able to produce so many award-winning varietals of course the credit goes to winemaker richard bachelor want to also recognize their production manager, Dirk Richardson. We've spent time with him at Mary Hill. Of course, Cassie Courtney running sales and marketing. So many people in this team approach. And we're talking Vancouver, USA in this episode. But don't forget what a great trip it is down the gorge to visit Mary Hill, high atop that hillside. What a setting that is. Up next, we'll find out how Craig and Vicky lured a rock star Kiwi to eastern Washington. Next on Vintage. Traveling the wine trails of the world, this is Vintage with the voice of wine, Brian Bushlack. And we do truly appreciate your downloads and sharing our show with your friends and family all across the world of wine. 
And now continuing our conversation with Craig and Vicki Luthold as Mary Hill Winery counts down to the opening of their new tasting room on the waterfront in Vancouver, USA. You know, so many award-winning wines. And I was curious how they found their award-winning winemaker from New Zealand. His name, Richard Batchelor. You know, we were in the midst of, uh, of changing winemakers. The one we had just wasn't a good fit for Vicky and I personally more than anything. He had been with us for just one season, and uh, we decided that we were going to go out and look for a new winemaker. We didn't want the one that we had to actually know that we were looking, so we actually used a headhunter with a blind website who people would send resumes and it was just a iconic Northwest winery looking for a winemaker. Well, Richard was one of the applicants. We had about a half a dozen. We narrowed it down to three interviews that uh, we actually had people come to the winery. And when we met Richard, we knew that he had a, uh, a special quality of the way he approached things. And it's really about cleanliness more than anything else. He talked over and over about how important it was that everything from from the vineyards to the bins that you put the grapes in to the trucks that you truck it on to, you know, the hoses and the clamps and every single little thing is a source of contamination in winemaking. And he just has a discipline that is really above and beyond anything. We have hundreds and hundreds of people who tour the winery that are involved in the industry and every single one of them say the same thing and they they when they are done they say this has to be the cleanest winery that i've ever been in because cleanliness is 90 percent of the game because of potential contamination then it's his winemaking style as well he really believes in a low impact style that allows the grapes to really show what their true nature and terroir is. And that's, I think, really important in differentiating all these different vineyards because if he used too much of an interventionist approach and used all kinds of different things to manipulate the wines, it would be very different. We are unique at Mary Hill in that virtually every single wine we make, if it says the varietal on the label, it's 100% of that varietal. So if it's a Cabernet, it's going to be 100% Cab. Our philosophy is that too many winemakers use blending as a crutch. If they don't like the way that a wine tastes, they add something else to it to change its structure or style. Our philosophy is if you don't like the way the wine tastes, find another vineyard source. Craig and Vicki Luthold joining us. Uh, let's talk about uh, Richard a little more, too. Where, where did he come from? I mean, I know you, you know, found him through this uh, headhunter, but uh, what's his backstory? So, Richard, fun story. Every year we used interns from all around the world to help us with harvest. We did that from our very first harvest. It was actually uh, uh, somebody from Tasmania, Australia, who we became very good friends with, and we're going to go visit them, actually, in a month or so. Uh, so Richard came to the U.S. on that ex- same agricultural exchange program. He got his uh, degree in enology and viticulture near Christchurch, New Zealand. And so he came to the United States. He actually worked at St. Francis Winery as an enologist in their lab. And then eventually became head winemaker for Hall Winery in Napa Valley. 
and he didn't like the pretentiousness of uh, Napa. He's a very humble man, and he liked the idea of going someplace that was more of a of a new wine region. He also liked the challenge of working with as many varietals as we did. Before Richard came on board, we had about uh, 18 or 20 varietals of grapes, so we almost doubled that after Richard came on board. He wanted to get to the Pacific Northwest. He liked living in a rural setting because that's what he did uh, when he grew up down in New Zealand. And he was just a perfect fit for us. One of the primary reasons he decided to leave New Zealand is he knew if he stayed there, he'd probably end up making nothing but Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Noir and maybe a tiny bit of Chard because they just don't have the heat to grow the big reds. And he wanted to be able to branch out and really express himself through so many different varieties of grapes. Well, he certainly found that at Mary Hill. And uh, Vicky, I know that uh, talking about these wines, which I want to introduce now, Really, you're focusing on a couple varietals that are really getting, I don't want to say you're not focusing on the others, but a couple that are really getting uh, some attention, not only in the Pacific Northwest, but around the country and around the world, right? Yes, absolutely. We've got, uh, well, sitting here before you, an Albarino. It's a Spanish white variety that's its original um, home. We're getting these grapes out of the Yakima Valley, and it's turned into a phenomenal opportunity for a new white wine to be introduced to the market. Um, We're hoping to do with this what we did with Viognier, educate the consumer and get this wine out there everywhere. We also have a, a Grenache here, which is a French Rhone variety that is kind of a lightweight bodied red. So I know the Northwest is so excited about their Pinot Noir. This is a a lovely option for that. Um, And it's one of our very favorites that Richard does year in and year out. So we brought that one to to give you as well to try. Um, We're doing a new Reserve Rosé, and we are focusing on Rosé that's been becoming so popular uh, across the country in the last few years. We haven't been able to keep enough Rosé made with increasing our volume year after year, we're still just going right to the end before we bottle it and, and have more. So the rosé is also one we're focused on, too. It's okay to talk about that Viognier, too. I mean, one of the most popular Viogniers in America, right? Yes, we found out uh, it's actually the huge Northwest following, of course, but it's also the number two volume and consumed Viognier in the country, across the country, after... A California producer. (laughs) (laughs) Who shall remain nameless in this show. And this Albarino, uh, getting some good reviews, huh? I mean, you've got... Pretty pretty, pretty phenomenal. Might have something you want to share here uh, on this, right? Uh, It's it's great to see and hear the accolades because, you know, we know about this here because we know you. We've gotten to know you. Our audience has over the past you know, four or five years, and now to be able to amplify that beyond the region and and beyond. And and here's a great example of that, right? This was a review done by uh, a gentleman named Frederick Koppel, who has a blog called uh, Bigger Than Your Head. He has uh, tens of thousands of followers on his blog. He's been doing it for decades. And uh, this is what his review said on our 2017 uh, Proprietors Reserve Albarino. I will say right here and now 
that the Maryhill Proprietors Reserve Albarino 2017 grapes derived from Otis Vineyard is the finest Albarino I have ever tasted. It has tremendous tone and presence on the palate, an extraordinary performance, exceptional, about 20 bucks, representing unimpeachable value. I don't think anyone has actually ever used that terminology on a wine that we've made. Unimpeachable value. I love that. <laughs> well, congratulations. It's well-deserved. Phenomenal wine. And that's the Albarino, a 2017 proprietor's reserve from Mary Hill. And, and the Grenache, too, is this is an interesting varietal, uh, I, I think, for Washington because uh, there, I think, is a huge opportunity for Grenache from Washington. This is a, a tremendous varietal, and, and obviously you do it very well. Yeah, you know, it has it has a little bit of persnickety growing, but uh, it loves the heat. It loves the dry, which is what Eastern Washington's all about. It's also so brilliant because it's a, a nice high acid wine. So it's the food world is loving it, and chefs just fall all over themselves to work with it. And it's yeah, absolutely one of my favorites. We do. And to learn more about the wide selection of award-winning varietals, including those proprietors' reserve wines we just tasted, visit MaryHillWinery.com. want to thank Craig and Vicki for spending time with us, and we will be there in Vancouver, USA, for the opening of their new tasting room. And in that show, it will be wall-to-wall wine. We'll taste through those incredible varietals from their waterfront tasting room. Looking forward to that. Next episode's now on location at the Naples Winter Wine Festival. Are you ready for this lineup? Volume 1 featuring Barbara Banky from Kendall Jackson. Samaye Larry Stone joins us. We'll have the Mondavi family, Tim, Carissa, and Carlo. And the James Beard Award winner, one of my favorite restaurateurs in all of America, Mr. Charlie Palmer. That show drops on Saturday, March 16th at 6 a.m. Eastern. And then on Sunday, March 17th, we'll release Volume 2 from Naples, featuring our friend Salvatore Ferragamo sharing his wines from Il Boro in Tuscany. We'll have Veronique Druin on the Burgundy-Oregon Connection, plus The Bubbles with Olivier Krug. Vintage is a presentation of Feedback Media. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. 